Hello friends, it's Robert and Julie here. I hope that you're all keeping strong. Well, we all know that we are faced with quite a challenging global situation, uh, which is COVID-19. COVID-19 is a systemic pandemic. It's not just a, a global health crisis, but it's also a kind of crisis that um, has had impact on economies, on social conditions, on political conditions. And so it, it's a systemic uh, you know, pandemic in that sense. But in the midst of that challenge, the Bible does call us to be a people of hope. And for us, hope is not just a commodity. Hope is not just a condition. Hope is, a pers is the person, the person of Jesus Christ. And that basically means that the absence of hope does not simply indicate the fact that we are surrounded by problems. But it does indicate something of a problem concerning our own spiritual condition. It indicates a, a form of spiritual deficit. Remember Abraham, the father of faith in Romans chapter 4 verse 18. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. And I think the things of God and the things of the promises of God must be inherited by a people who can be resilient against hopeless situations. I want to drop just two main thoughts, big picture thoughts with you um, uh, as we you know, process this whole issue of having hope in the midst of a hopeless situation. The first main thought I want to drop with you has to do with a reflection on what I call our kingdom heritage. I want to look at the stories of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. We see people who have always been able to emerge in the midst of a challenge. And so that reflects the fact that the purpose of God can actually thrive in the midst of crisis. Um, the Bible is our family album. Uh, through the Bible, we see people that inspire us to work with Jesus in a much more effective way. We see characters and stories of people that have always been able to rise up in the, mo in the moment of, uh, of challenge. Um, we can think of, you know, there are many different, uh, 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 you know, characters and stories uh, that reflect such a powerful reality for us. We can think of Daniel uh, facing an imminent execution of all the political analysts of the day, the wise men of the day, and how he goes back to his own community of courage. Uh, and they begin to pray and believe God uh, for, for, for wisdom. We can think of Joseph, who was activated by the famine in Egypt. And he became the economic voice, uh, speaking wisdom to Pharaoh. We can think of Esther, who uh, rose up in the midst of a planned Jewish massacre. We can think of Moses, who confronted political injustice and oppression. We can think of Nehemiah, who in the midst of broken walls, and in the midst of a depressed society, Jewish society, was able to rise up and pray to God and receive a vision that restored the city. In all of these stories, there's a prophetic pattern that we have to uh, identify here. And uh, that pro prophetic pattern is the fact that there can be a positive relationship between crisis and hope, actually. That hope can rise up in the midst of, of course, hope is the passing of Jesus in us. Christ in us rises in the, even in the midst of this pandemic. And, and the fact that actually some amazing leaders and stories have been written in the midst of or in a context of some really hectic you know, you know, conditions or crisis. 
this, this reminds us of the Chinese proverb, which says that a crisis is an opportunity riding a dangerous wind. A crisis is an opportunity riding a dangerous wind. And so the question for you and I is what do we see in the midst of this COVID-19? Uh, remember the question that God asked the prophet Jeremiah one day, what do you see, Jeremiah? And God asked us the question, do we simply see just, you know, death? And yes, we are seeing death. We're seeing economies collapsing and all sorts of, th of things. But in the midst of it all, we have to be seeing a movement of God, a movement of God in our lives, in our families, in our businesses, and also in our cities, uh, just like these characters that I referred you to, a man like Daniel and, 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 and Nehemiah and all these people. And I think God is challenging us to add our names onto that list. Your name and my name must be added next to Esther's name, Nehemiah's name, Daniel's name, Joseph's name, and all these wonderful men and women of God. And if you think about Nehemiah, for instance, um, and, and, and the kinds of ways that Nehemiah inspires us, is that number one, Nehemiah is actually not a prophet. He's not, you know, he's not a priest. He's not, he's not, he's not someone who's functioning in the temple. He is the chief butler in a palace, in a presidential palace, if you're using today's language. He is a form of a, you know, a chief butler or even a chief of staff. Back in those days, the cupbearers were not just serving wine. They were also speaking wisdom to, to the kings. And so he, he, pre, he presents himself as that analyst, as that butler, and you know, all of those images that you can think about. Uh, he therefore represents the ordinary believer having a successful vocation, but faced with, faced with some level of crisis. And I think Nehemiah teaches us that in a, in a time of broken walls and banned gates and, and uh, depressed society uh, in, the, in the form of the Jews back in Jerusalem, God does speak. Even in the midst of this COVID-19, God is speaking. God spoke to Nehemiah and released a word that actually facilitated the restoration um, of, 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 of the city of Jerusalem. So the question for you and I is, what is God saying? Or maybe that's not the question. God is beaming. God is streaming. The question is, are we taking time like Nehemiah to pray, to seek the face of the Lord, to hear what God has to say uh, for us uh, or to us? And I think that's, that's quite important. The second major picture or thought that I, I want to leave with you has to do with the story of Abraham um, in comparison to Lot. And uh, we know we are familiar with Abraham and Lot in Genesis chapter 13. They do fight. And in fact, the fight begins between the shepherds who will be like the managers of their businesses. And the fight seems to escalate up to the boardroom. And between these you know, directors and, and uh, within the board of directors, the fight begins to, um, uh, you know, um, um, things begin to unravel between Abraham and, and Lot. And of course, Abraham gives Lot the, the blank check. And he says, well, because we're fighting and we're fighting over territories and, you know, market share and all of these things, uh, it's better that you pick up a place I will pick after you. And of course, Lot sees, and the word says that Lot looked up and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan, this is Genesis 13 verse 10, uh, the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered 
like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, towards Zoe. You and I know that this was none other than Sodom and Gomorrah. It looked like an economic haven of some kind to Lot. And, and, uh, and in verse 14, it says, Abraham also lift up, lift, you know, lift up his, he, he lifted up his, um, his eyes and, and, and he was inspired by an imagination that came from God. Um, eventually, Abraham, in verse 18, Genesis 13, uh, so Abraham moved his tents and went to live near the great trees of Mam uh, at Hebron. Uh, so he moves to Hebron. We know that Hebron is a place of alliance and association. And Abraham seems to be a man that is emphasizing and prioritizing relationship over business interest. And so what are some of the things that we can identify between these two men? Well, Abraham, we know the story of Abraham. He emerges out of a, a fresh history of the flood of Noah. So he's not a man who is, um, uh, who, who is not aware of global crisis. Uh, we can imagine in those days, everybody's still scared. Inside of that context, God speaks to Abraham and says, well, you know, uh, he pulls him out of what was really his uh, uh, security, uh, the, the, the household of his father, and God launches him on a journey. We know Abraham was a father of faith, but here is an important thing. Actually, Abraham was also a businessman, a very, very successful businessman. And, and now I'm I'm, I'm picking on him as a businessman here in this context. Um, and we see in Genesis 13 that Abraham, uh, the way he went about taking decisions for his life, for his family, and for his business was really based on the voice of God and the promise of God over his life. He trusted more on the promise of God than what he saw with his naked eyes. Um, uh, he clearly wasn't just thinking about business. He was um, thinking about the well-being of cities. We see him interceding for Sodom when God is about to judge the city. Um, he's a man of covenant, a man of relationship. He actually goes to rescue Lot this one time when the city of Sodom was invaded uh, by foreign armies. Uh, he goes and he risks his own life to rescue Lot. What are you doing? Who, you know, to, who are you rescuing in the midst of this COVID-19? As a businessman, who, who, who are you rescuing? You know, how, how are you extending your hand to help somebody? Lot, on the other hand, um, uh, was guided solely by business interest. Uh, he wasn't even obligated to his uncle Abraham. Uh, he, was, he, was, he was guided by, solely by business interest. He was an individualistic man who thought only for himself within the broader ecosystem of life. And that's not the kind of businessman that God was at this point in time. Uh, Lord clearly followed, we may say if we're using current modern day language, he followed uh, research data and rationality at the expense of the voice of God. There's nothing wrong with following research and, and rationality, but when that is done at the expense of the, of the voice of God, it becomes a problem. Here's what Lord was supposed to do. Lord was supposed to have followed Abraham at, at that point in time, resolve the issue and make sure that he follows Abraham to secure a future. Um, uh, for Lord, business came before relationship. Uh, he, he was what we would call a cutthroat businessman. And, and we don't want that in the kingdom. Um, he took a decision that resulted in a future crisis for his life, for his family. We know that, number one, the city of Sodom was invaded by foreign armies and he found himself as a captive in the midst of that situation. We also know that God eventually judged this immoral city, uh, immoral, unjust city 
that was Sodom. And so Lot, you know, took a decision that was clever at the time that he took it, but actually landed him in a big problem in, uh, in the future. So uh, the thing that I want to leave you with is, you know, we want to pray God, you know, to God, to open, uh, we want to pray to God to open up uh, our eyes so that we can see opportunity in the midst of the crisis. Remember that Chinese proverb. We also want to follow the example of Abraham, especially as a businessman. We want to take the kinds of decisions that are inspired by the promise of the Lord over our lives. Thank you.